What's up, guys? We are back. We've got a game week podcast for you guys, um, and we have a we have a podcast first. We've broadcast from Argentina. We've broadcast from uh, the great United States of America, but I am currently in France, uh, broadcasting from a Parisian bathroom at the moment. Um, so, you know, that's that's the dedication to the pod that you guys have right now is that it is one in the morning and we are still bringing you the content that you crave. You saw that viral clip of the guy in the Notre Dame pod in his pants. So you decided we had to take the energy to, to, <laughs> to high street freaks. Yeah, man, I, I, I don't know how else we could attack this besides uh, me. I am literally sitting on a toilet right now. Um, it, it is not open. Uh, but it's actually kind of uncomfortable. It's very clear that these are designed to be sat on open. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the energy that I'm bringing. You can open it up if you want. We can take the time for you to get that seat going. You know, I'm, like, fully clothed, though, though. so I think that's, like, a bad move. Yeah, make a little water at the seat of your pants or something. Yeah, that's yeah, tough. So. <laughs> so, but that, I, I think this is this is a first on many many levels. I don't think we've ever broadcast from a, or recorded from a bathroom before. But uh, here we are, first time for everything, and um, you know nothing was going to stop us from getting this pot out for uh, a you know the the first week of actual Buckeye football. Hell yeah, dude! Uh, we're excited, man. We got a little news to go through, so I think we're going to get into it here very shortly. Uh, obviously, a quarterback's been kind of named, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Uh, there's some other stuff we want to get into. But first, uh, we're going to do our advertisement. We're going to do it quick because there's a lot of stuff to cover this week. And uh, anyone listening to us has probably listened to us already before at this point. But uh, you and I both run a website called meetatmidfield.com. Uh, it covers Ohio State football. It covers national college football. It covers the entire Big Ten. It covers Michigan. Um, we currently have had... Through uh, the last several weeks, we have had more than 75,000 words on every single Power 5 conference team published. Uh, we've had a ton of stuff coming, this, uh, you know, basically getting ready for the season. Uh, the content's been churning out. It's been pretty crazy. Um, and if you guys want to come join us and post the message board, which is in midseason form already, uh, you too can join with the code KICKOFF, all one word, for 50% off of your first, uh, your first payment, whether that's a monthly, uh, semi-annual, and annual uh, half off. It is our best deal ever. Um, we'd love to have you come join us. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are in the thick of it already, and we've just we're we've got one week zero under our belt. And um, I mean, you guys don't want to see, or maybe you do. I'm sure you do want to see how deep these boards get. I think we got uh, somebody messaged me this uh, week, sent me a text, and was like, "I love your site because it's the only board in the world." that is seriously and like very closely looking into Ryan Day's political affiliation and his voting record. Oh yeah. We had multiple members pulling his voter files from multiple states on the message board this week uh, to determine if he is the right kind of sicko to lead this team. Uh, it's a special place. <laughs> it's, like we yeah. have all the real ball talk, all the real analysis, but the, like the off the field stuff is just a lot different from I think any other message board that exists in the world. It is a crazy place on there. Well, my my favorite part of that take was I think they determined that he hasn't voted in a few national elections. I think it was like the past two elections he hasn't voted, and I think like pretty much the consensus was that like that was actually a good thing because that means that he's just like you know locked in on ball. Yeah, I do not want my football coach voting. I don't want no, him really knowing who not. the candidates are. Um, he should Did not Bill really Belichick have friends. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so. you know who? Uh, you know who knew who was running? Tom Brady. And look where he's at now. Divorced. Uh, without a yeah. team. Retired. Without a job. Yeah. 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 Broke. Yeah. Some would yeah. say. Some would say that 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 uh, NFT crisis got him. Mm-hmm. Um, you're hearing that more and more. Uh, but Kevin, we have too much to get into, dude. We should probably start rolling here. Um, we kind of have a starter. Uh, we obviously the big news of the week is Jaden Fielding is the uh, leading place kicker. Uh, do you have any takes on this of him him getting the battle for Parker Lewis? Yeah, man. I you know I thought this is kind of a big a big one for Parker Lewis. Um, I really thought like you don't transfer somewhere from one Power Five program to another if you don't think that you're going to start. And so that's just, this is kind of brutal for for him to uh, end up at Ohio State and he's you know he's not even the starter. No, uh, it sucks. Um, he, I, I don't know. Like, I guess what's the point? Like, uh, I don't want to get into my whole Parker Fleming rant. We have too much else to do. But like, <laughs> you have a scholarship kicker and you're not playing the kids. Like, why do we have a special I love, teams coach? I love that this was very clearly just like a bit to start, and then yeah, then I actually got mad. Yeah. yeah, now you're, you're actually <laughs> mad. Uh, I can't help it. Uh, no, but the real news, yeah. of course, is is Ryan Day said Kyle McCord to be the week one starter in Indiana, but that Devin Brown would also take first team reps. Uh, people on Twitter were freaking out about this. I guess it's just always newsworthy when a starter is named. But it's also like exactly what we thought would happen for weeks, right? Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's kind of the expectation. Well, like I never, I never thought Devin Brown would take the first snap. Right. The the weird thing for me is that like. You know, everybody's making this out as like Ohio State names a starter, like especially like the national outlets, like Kyle McCord officially named the starting quarterback for Ohio State. But it's like, no, this like was what always was going to happen. And more than that, like this still reeks of to me, Kyle McCord getting the first crack, but Devin Brown still has a chance to like unseat him. Like, do we not remember that like Cade McNamara started the first game for Michigan last year and then was like swiftly benched? Right, of course. Like it, it's it's it happens all the time. Like, and the answer here, what the takeaway should be, is they're letting this play out in the field, right? The answer is right. like the competition is going into Indiana. Uh, when you have two teams, two first team quarterbacks playing, you do not have a start, right? Like that's right. that's the answer. Um, especially when Dave said they're going to try to get him to play against Indiana's first team, that does not mean it's just a blowout. Doesn't mean it's like a special package, like. I fully expect both these guys to get at least a drive against the first team Indiana defense. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And like, I think the other thing is like, I, Indiana is not a great football team, but like, this is a good enough football team that you don't just like fuck around if you don't think that you need to fuck around. If that makes sense, like, if you think that you have a starting quarterback and you don't need to like play this game anymore. There's absolutely no reason why you would give Devin Brown like first team reps against, you know, Indiana starters just for fun. You know, like this seems like even if the game is close, or maybe especially if the game is close, um, Devin Brown's gonna get it gonna get his fair shot. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh I am very much looking forward to seeing this. I mean, I was going back through through Kyle McCord's spring game highlights today. Or sorry, I bring him highlights rather, but I think Brody knows ball, who you may know, he's a Twitter guy. Yeah. Uh, posted every single throw, pass, 
Sorry, throw and run. Prolific YouTube poster, too. Prolific YouTube poster. Yeah, the the blank loves ball family tree between him and Matthew is pretty strong. Matt, do you know Matthew loves ball? Or is it Matthew knows ball? I think it's Matthew knows ball, but yes, I, I know of him. Oh, God, he's a legend, dude. Like, his speed on these games is just unimaginable. He is, uh, yeah, it must be an operation of, like, I'm sure, like, you know, seven guys from Sri Lanka or something, but um, the, the dedication, the speed is unbelievable. He is a, he's a one-of-one talent if it is one person. Um, yeah, man, I, it's, 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 I mean, Brody, too, they, the way that they crank that shit out, like, I, I am, you know, tip the cap there. Yeah, our buddy, uh, our buddy Colton Denning, very prolific as well. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of guys there who, uh, who, who are doing great stuff. But no, I mean, I was watching all the Kyle McCord spring game passes and stuff like that. And it's good to just kind of remind yourself what a guy looks like, right? Obviously, that's a spring game where he can't be hit. So some of the things you see are, are not quite, uh, are not quite what you, you know, what you're going to see in the season, but like he does move a little quicker than I remember. Like I still don't think he's a runner, like watching him actually try to run the football is very robotic. Like, I don't think he has any feel to run or anybody like, you know, know how to accelerate, know how to, you know, he's not actually a runner, but he is a better pocket mover than I recalled. Uh, pretty quick feet. Um, just the, the things that just struck out to me though, is I just still don't see the zip on those like opposite sideline throws. Um, he just still sails the ball a little bit. He also puts ball in danger too little much. I mean, he was 18 of 34 in that game. Again, it's a spring game. That's not my only evaluation of him, but just had me kind of thinking about Kyle McCord again and um, looking forward to seeing both him and Devin Brown play and kind of see what comes to this. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reality of the situation, and um, I wrote it in my preview, which is probably published by the time you guys are listening to this podcast, um, the reality of the situation is that Ohio State, for the first time in like five years, is going to have probably a clear step back at, at quarterback. And, you know, like, that's that's just the reality. And, like, what that really means is that for the first time in five years, Ohio State fans are going to have to settle with not having the best quarterback in program history because that's really been, like, what the offense has been the past, you know, since Ryan Day was the head coach. Um, but that's just not what it's going to be this year. That doesn't mean it's going to be a drastic step back. That doesn't mean that it's going to be, um, you know, like the end of the world or anything like that. But, like, I think the reality is that um, quarterback is not going to be the strongest position on the field, and I don't think that's been the case for the past, I mean, since, like, 2018. So it will be interesting to see how the offense um, evolves in that sense. Um, I think it's going to be fine. I don't think any of us are really concerned about that because um, I, I, I genuinely think the, the larger concern is the offensive line, which we can get into if you want, but I think we've beat that horse to death. Um I think the, the larger issue is the offensive line and whoever you put at quarterback, like if CJ Stroud was back, it still would have been a problem. So um, I don't know. I just, I'm excited to see it just for the sake of seeing who Ohio state's next quarterback is going to be. But I think the true reality is that Ohio state is going to have a step back at quarterback, but also it just really doesn't matter all that much. I think I kind of disagree with you there or depart from you on that one. Um, I guess I'm not entirely convinced that we'll be a step back. I I mean, like a step back from like Georgia game, CJ Stroud. Yeah, probably. But like week to week performance or like performance against like compelling teams. You know, I I think Ohio State maybe, you know, until like the middle of the season won't have elite play there. But I think by the time they get to Wisconsin, Penn State, 
I guess just with the development curve we've seen from Ryan Day with all of these players, I have no reason to think it won't be fine um, at that point in time. But also, like, if Iowa State does take a step back a quarterback, if they don't have, like, I think it's pretty scary to think about what this team looks like without a top 10 quarterback nationally. Like, just the way it's constructed to win games. If the quarterback play is not elite or very close to it, it's kind of hard to imagine what Ohio State is. And maybe that sounds overly pessimistic. I'm not getting down on the season because, again, I think the quarterback play will be good. But if it's not very, very good, I mean, that, that could be a long season, man. Like, like that's the way this roster is constructed when games is kind of, you have to have that. I guess, I guess my thing is that I just don't really think that's true. And I think you can see the way that, like, A.J. McCarron and, like, Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones is an NFL starter now. But, like, guys have been good enough without being, you know, electric, like, playmaking, like, Heisman caliber quarterbacks. And I think that's perfectly fine for Ohio State to have a guy like that. Um, I think, like, really the past three guys, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, were kind of your guy that's, like, he is – um, the offense with like kind of the absurd throws he's making and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that Ohio State needs a quarterback to make absurd like drop drop in the bucket throws on a regular basis or even like all that often. I think that they need a guy who can go out there, run the offense, and distribute the ball to the you know arsenal of playmakers across the field. So um, I just I don't think that it like matters you know i mean stetson bennett just won back-to-back national titles if you have the right offense and the right um ability to facilitate it across the field i really i I don't think it matters um i think what is a little scary as you alluded to is that ohio state has had that great quarterback really every year under ryan day and that has been what the offense has been built around is like that quarterback's arm or um his athleticism in some ways too uh, but, you know, this will be the first season with Ryan Day as a head coach, at least, if that doesn't happen, that um, the focal point will be more like um, will be more like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or the wide receivers or, or something like that. So um, I think the I, – I, I just – I think that he doesn't have to be elite for Ohio State to be successful. I, I think that – in general, you do not need an elite quarterback to win national championships. However, I think that at Ohio State under Ryan Day, with the way his offense is built, you do need that. I'm and no way is your point wrong about other quarterbacks. What like you said, just the bad that went back to back. I don't think every team has to have an elite quarterback. I have just we haven't seen a Ryan Day offense. He was at Boston College without an elite quarterback season, right? Like he, what about Jason Garrett? He was still what top five, top ten in QBR that year, and like I think in most like major uh, passing stats. But JT Barrett in the 2017 season was one of the best quarterbacks in the country still. Like that's what I'm saying. If the the level falls below what JT Barrett produced as like a fourth year starter under Ryan Day, yeah, pretty pretty talented. Then it's a problem. Yeah, and I also don't think they have any intention of going back to a JT Barrett style offense, right? Like they're not going to run either one of these guys as often as JT ran that season, which again was less than previous years, but still quite a lot. So I just, I just, if, if you look back at that JT year, he wasn't making like they weren't asking him to make the throws that Justin Fields or Dwayne Haskins or CJ Stroud made. 
they were, you know, building an offense around like mesh concepts and screen passes and stuff like that. And so like that is there if it needs to be there. Yeah, you're not wrong, but I mean that team also lost two regular season games and yeah, had like it did. you know, one good win. Right. One or two good wins. That I, mean, is, I mean like that is true. I would say that that's like look, Ryan Day has been capable of constructing a good running game, but he has to have a running quarterback to do it. Like the the red zone numbers, the rushing yards per attempt numbers, yards per game numbers without like a rushing threat at quarterback are pretty noticeably worse uh, through now six seasons of him in Columbus total for his head coach. Uh, You know, it's, there is a pretty clear trend line of what, like, you know, how he constructs an offense and how he wants to do it. And also what it looks like without special quarterback play, or or rather also it looks like with kind of, uh, pure pocket pass quarterback play. And I think you need to have some of that threat with your legs going to get this offense to its maximum level, the Russian attack. And I don't know, like if there's a scenario where these guys can't deliver that or where, you know, the, the passing play is not up to snuff and they also can't deliver it. Like I think the ceiling of this team drops precipitously very quickly. And all of a sudden they're probably third in the division and like a 10 and two football team that competes with Wisconsin and Iowa, not Michigan. Um, yeah. And that's, again, I'm not predicting that I'm because I, I still do have some faith because offense production is good, but I think just the way this team is built, it has to be, right? Like they put themselves against the wall with the way Ryan Day has constructed his roster, the way he recruits, the way his offense is designed, who he promotes to run the offense, the Brian Hart line, that it has to be that way. Like you yeah. have to have the quarterback, but I don't think you have another option. So, um, yeah, and, and again, we'll see live reps. We'll see how Kyle McCord marshals the team. Uh, we're going to learn pretty fast what happens. Uh, and I think they'll probably settle onto a quarter. Like, if I had to guess, these first two weeks would be a rotation. And you pick your starter, give him one full game uninterrupted before Notre Dame. And then you kind of have your guy locked in by that point in time. Uh, yeah. Maybe it goes into Western Kentucky, but I, th- I think it's those first two weeks where we kind of figure out who the guy is. Um, my, my, hunch, my hunch is they might do the Michigan thing where McCord kind of gets the first reps and like the heaviest rotation in the Indiana game. And then maybe um, the following week is when you have Devin Brown kind of start. To like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would not be surprised to see that. And um, I mean, obviously they're both going to play in both games, but I, I would not be shocked if that's, that's what happens. Yeah. It's very possible. It's definitely very possible. Um, we're going to find out, man. I can't wait to find out. Uh, I'm very, very curious to see it. I I tend to think I still like I, I don't know part of me is still holding on to kind of Devin Brown hope I, I again I, I while I do believe that just on my kind of assumptions of what I've seen from Kyle McCord because we haven't seen much Devin Brown I think that what Kyle McCord has shown in his game action based on his two interceptions he's thrown I think just like eighty passes which is too too many uh, that you know his his spring game performance like just we've seen enough of Kyle McCord for me to think hey this guy so far has not been good enough. Uh, he could obviously improve over spring of fall camp. I'm sure he did improve somewhat. Uh, but what I've seen so far, to me, it feels like Devin Brown is the tools of your player and the guy I want out there because his skill set better suited is what makes the highest offense run better or more effectively, particularly in red zone scoring situations. But I'm also one of those play out, right? I, I want to see live reps in the field. I'm not committed to be the Devin Brown guy. I, if you know Kyle plays well against Indiana, I'm fully willing to say, okay, Kyle was the right choice. Let's roll with Kyle. And yeah. I, I'm I'm not like dead set anybody at this point in time. Again, I, I just based on my assumptions, I lean brown, but I could very easily have my mind changed. 
Oh, I've seen the most recent live reps against Power 5 competition um, with Kyle being that guy. And it's possible, right? I mean, and like, you know, Indiana, for for all their faults, does at least have, um, you know, have some players out there. They have no Pierre, very good safety. Uh, they have a pretty good, you know, code of square secondary coach, uh, Matt Guerrero. Well, they're, they're, actually, they're, they're a Power 5 team. They're a Power 5 team. And they also had a guy who was in in the locker room, in the coaching room for Ohio state last season, ran their defense, right? Like, and they also, they have some, they have some previously experienced starting players. You know, they have uh, Josh Sanguinetti and Noah Pierre returning. Like I was saying, they've got a couple other good safeties around who have played a good bit. Uh, their corners are new, but they have, they have three guys, with power five starting experience who, um, who are competing to start a corner. Like this is not a horrible secondary. I don't think it's a good football team, but the secondary is not a disastrous one. Um, so if Kyle's like previous decision making led him to like putting balls in risk, where CJ Hicks almost picked off two of his passes in the spring game, like if that happens again, we're going to see it pretty fast. And I think Brown's a chance to win it pretty fast. So Indiana's kind of the perfect team to play against because I don't think they have an offense that can threaten you in the slightest, which we'll get into here soon. And I think you can still run the football on them pretty easily. Um, but it does give you enough of a test to kind of see what the quarterbacks are made of. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Um, I think it's going to be, I don't know, it, it kind of, as you said, sets up perfectly for you to just be able to, um, I mean, you're not going to really have to stress about anything else surrounding this game besides the quarterback play. Like that, it kind of gives room to just watch yeah. quarterbacks. It's it, they're kind of the big tens lab rat, you know, like Rutgers is a little bit too bad with absolutely no offense. Maryland's a little bit too good where they can actually scare you. Uh, Michigan State always has like some demonic weather for some reason every year uh, and a loud crowd. Like Indiana has kind of a sterile crowd environment. Um, they have just enough talent on offense. You can see some guys do something, just enough talent on defense where you can test yourself a little bit, but not enough to ever actually come close to winning the game. It's kind of the perfect test scenario for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, yeah. it will be fun to see it happen because um, I mean it, the, the cool part about this is since there hasn't been a quarterback named in practice and by all accounts it's um, pretty even we're kind of just going to get to see the quarterback battle you know like at this point like it hasn't been decided in practice and so we're going to see how it's decided like you know it's 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 fun that it kind of has come down to this is as stressful and kind of frustrating as it is yeah yeah for sure um, well, um, what else, dude? I mean, the other kind of news and notes out of the Ryan Day and Jim Knowles press conferences, um, I have something I'm going to read to you in the air that you don't know about yet, which we'll talk about soon. But I guess on the actual football side, um, Malik Hartford is going to play first team reps. So they, uh, Ryan Day and Jim, I think it was actually Jim Knowles said that he expects all of Jihad Carter, Malik Hartford, and Josh Brocker to play with the first team at deep safety. Uh, they're going to drop that position. Um, we do have a starting offensive line named. It's, it's the one we expected with uh, Simmons, Jackson, Hinsman, um, Jones, and Fryer. Uh, they did say Luke Montgomery is going to be a guy who plays. Kind of noted Arvel Reese would definitely play special teams and should play defensive end. Kind of interesting there as well. And, yeah, I mean, Cardinal Tate, obviously, we've talked about for a long time at receiver. Um, Sonny Styles confirms a starter. Um, 
lot, I a little bit of news out there. I got nothing too crazy, but it was kind of all where, where, where players kind of talked about. Uh, anything stand out to you from the Jim Knowles notes or, or anything else on excuse me, on Ryan Day's the, press conference you want to discuss? Yeah. The, the Hartford thing really is interesting to me. Um, I think we talked about him is a um, or earlier in the podcast, uh, not earlier in the podcast, earlier in the podcast series, maybe a couple weeks ago, um, about like kind of how excited we both were for him coming out of high school, um, and like how we've really seen a lot in him, and how we were like, I mean, he's a freak athlete; he can hit. Um, he can cover a lot of ground, but I think like the thing that, that I want to make clear is like a lot of times we, you know, shit on players during these position battles for not like winning it or whatever. Um, and you know, we, we talk a lot about the position battles as like nobody was good enough to win it by all accounts. It seems like maybe, maybe that's the case for Josh Proctor. Like maybe Josh Proctor's just getting some sympathy reps here. I think Malik Hartford has earned this and I don't think it's any fault to Jihad Carter because I think Jihad Carter is also a very good football player too so i am genuinely interested to see malik hartford play because if he is this good this early in his career uh that looks really good for his career trajectory at frankly one of the most important positions on the ohio state defense yeah no i couldn't agree more and i mean it was kind of just fall camp rumors people saying he was playing well and now it seems to have gained real steam to the point where like i think alex Gleitman and tony german both both put out there. I think he might start by year's end. Um, it's starting to kind of gain some traction that Lee Hartford is, he's a guy. Like, he is just maybe too good to leave off the field. I mean, he's a top 100 recruit. Like you said, a player we loved in high school. Brings just a certain, like, physical presence and ranginess. And, like, he just covers ground in a way that I don't know if we've seen from an Ohio State deep safety since, like, Malik, Malik Hooker. You know what I mean? Like last time a Malik yeah. H was back there was the last time a guy could run like that. And I'm not saying he's Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker probably had the single best safety season of all time at Ohio State uh, or, or close to it. But, I mean, like the way – again, also Hooker's ball senses were, you know, otherworldly. I'm not saying he is Malik Hooker. I think they're very different stylistic players. But just in terms of range and ability to cover ground as a safety and kind of get to where the ball's going um, – pretty wild player and also really really can hit like i just like in terms of adding an edge to this defense adding physicality adding toughness where it's been frankly pretty soft now for you know for the last five years um i think it's a difference in kind of perspective and ability that we haven't seen for them in a while right and i think like more than that um like i i i've mentioned we, we all love like we love jihad carter too like i think he's a really talented player too he's a really versatile player so yeah. I would be really interested to see what happens if Jim Knowles ends up having like four safeties that he thinks are essentially first team caliber safeties. Like would he mix in packages because it's clear that Jahad Carter can play in the nickel too. Um, you, know, how, you know, how does he, how does he make use of all four of those guys? Because like from what we've seen of, of Knowles at other stops, particularly Oklahoma state, he is a guy who likes to tinker. Like he's not a guy who like sets one defense and one like lineup and just like rolls with it. Like he is going to do whatever he can to make sure he has the best matchup and um, you know, the best players on the field for each situation. So I think it would be very interesting to see if Hartford does emerge and 
you know, Carter is also deserving of first team reps, like what he kind of does there. Because uh, I think all of those guys have their unique skill sets that can be used against different teams and in different ways. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and again, like you said too, like the proven nature of Carter's ability in a pretty similar defensive system to you know Tony White when he ran at Syracuse with Carter is not very far off from what Jim Knowles ran at Oklahoma State, a pretty stylistically comparable. Uh, and I think that, um, I don't know, you know, I, I think that this is something that, that speaks to both of their abilities. I'm, I'm just pretty comfortable there. Like, I, it's crazy to say kind of coming into the season how little we knew, but just the presence of styles. Again, I still want to see Sonny, like, actually running coverage against the nickel, or sorry, against a slot receiver. But, um, you know, I, I think the presence of Ransom, the presence of Styles, the presence of Hartford and Carter is a pretty crazy high athletic ceiling and, and you know, football ability we have not seen in quite some time. Um, so I am looking forward to seeing those guys all out there. I want to see how it shakes out. I still tend to think Carter ends up outstaffing Hartford in the season, but um, I don't know. We're going to see. Also, like Carter, stay healthy, right? He's a little trouble with that. Um, it's it's something that's been kind of a challenge for a little bit. So, um, you know, uh, got to make sure, um, got to make sure they, they he stays healthy and, and we have kind of a full team because I really don't want to see Cam Martinez come in to play any snaps. Um, nope. but, uh, but yeah, we're yeah, going mean, to find truly, out. Truly, the more guys that you can throw out there at safety in various positions, the less likely it is that Cam Martinez ever sees the field. So, uh, that is, um, you know, at least something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, cool. Kevin, we have one other piece of news from this press conference that, uh, that I don't think you've seen yet that I alluded to and got a little giggle out of you. Um, no, I, 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 yeah, obviously I had like an MIA day because I was flying to France. And so I missed all of the like live reactions to a lot of the press conference stuff. So uh, I am uh, interested to hear this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, apparently in the live stream from, uh, it was posted on our board from uh, the Buckeye Huddle YouTube live stream. Again, shout out to Buckeye Huddle guys. They're friends of ours. They do great work. Um in between the Ryan Day and Jim Knowles press conferences, uh, the audio was still running, and there was a hot mic on that recording that caught a conversation. Again, this is, I am not, these are, you know, people on the beat. So maybe I will, hmm, should I leave out specific names? Uh, I don't know. It's nothing bad. I don't think any of these guys would be ashamed if, you know, if it was ever somebody else. Basically, someone posted that, it sounded like there was a conversation based on the voices that are very well known to most Ohio State fans between Jerry Emig, Austin Ward, Doug Maurice, maybe a couple others, and Tim May was named as well. Um, there's been some chatter going on where they were talking about a message board post from our old buddies, Ken Stickney and Kirk Barton at BuckeyeScoop.com under the handle The Helping Technician. Uh, I'm reading from a post here from Cincy Buck 2012. Uh, in that post, Mr. Technician, who, who everyone pretty much knows is one of Nevada Bucks' alter egos, um, said that Jerry Emig was essentially a boring, dull person, annoying to be around. He criticized him for like liking things on social media about um, about like Blake Corum doing charity work, basically, <laughs> like <laughs> uh, just like a little, a few, a few different crazy things. But um, yeah, anyway. Uh, that all kind of came up, and I, I can actually pull up the post itself. I should do this here. Um, 
Let me That's find amazing. Really uh, yeah, I should find this really quick. I, just so I have. I, it. I know. I know. I know which helping technician post. I think you're you're referencing. And the funniest part was that he played it up as though he, who is clearly Nevada Buck, uh, was at Ohio State practice and had to interact with Jerry during That's right. the Ohio yes. State practice. Yeah, I so think, you, well, that didn't the... happen. Yeah. So what, what was alleged, again, from this poster was on the stream, is Austin Ward read that post to Jerry, and Jerry responds, and I'm the fourth Wiseman. Why is he saying such things? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Someone else who this poster believed to be Doug Lemery, so we could not, of course, not confirm that, said, goodness gracious, I'll punch him in the face if I ever see him. Um, so just some good old-fashioned boys in the beach shit-talking Ken and Kirk and, and making fun of them, uh, caught on mic, well, including Jerry Emig. It's great to see these guys embarrassed, as always. Yeah, like, nobody likes them, though. I think that's the thing, is, like, like nobody, they don't have like any friends or supporters. Like it's, I don't know. Like there's always these like site wars or something like that, where like there's people who are like taking sides or they're like friends with everybody. Like sometimes I'll see like people like fighting on Twitter, or different websites in a in a site war on Twitter or something like that, and it's like entertaining because like they're both my friends and I like yep. can play both sides and just like be an innocent bystander to like the attrition. But that's not what the, the case here. Like, literally nobody likes the Buckeye Scoop guys. Right. Like, and that's the nice part is this, like, we've kind of had this site war to end all site wars. Like, when the Buckeye yeah. Scoop, Buckeye Huddle split happened, uh, it basically ended, like, it's not just everyone, almost unanimously, maybe there's a few holdouts, but pretty much, er I mean, everyone does hate Perk and Ken, and almost everyone hates Zach Smith. And right. do, do we do we know what Zach Smith thinks about Kirk and Ken? Uh, they are buddies. They are pals. Okay. In fact, there was I, there's, a, there's a very funny image of Zach Smith. I mean, look, we should say here uh, no homophobia in this podcast. But looking, I mean, he was just dressed like essentially like a Brokeback Mountain character uh, at the at the Zach Bryan concert with Kirk Barton. Uh, he posted to his social media. I'll, I'll send it to you. But he looked like he was wearing makeup to me in the picture and uh, was went wearing, like, a ridiculous, like, sleeveless cutoff flannel with a cowboy hat. Um, <laughs> he looked, I, love, I, love you. I love you describing him as a Brokeback Mountain character. That is the, the an incredible yeah. description. We did have a lot of people asking into the show, and, of course, we couldn't comment on this, but we did have quite a few listeners. Kevin, you know, we have a mailbag, and it seems like most weeks the most popular question is whether or not Kirk Barton and Zach Smith have explored each other's bodies. And yeah. we, of course, we of course can't confirm anything to that effect. Um, yeah, you can't deny <laughs> it either, though. No, of course not. We just we couldn't speak on it. It's not it's not our relationship yeah. between those two. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you'll have to ask them. And in fact, we encourage that you do. I think uh, yeah. that's that's a fair question to um, to you know want an answer to. That's right. If you have the chance, just go ahead and drop an app to Kirk Barton to Zach Smith and just ask this week if they explore each other's bodies. Uh, if you get the chance to do that, just let us know the results. Uh, just send in that exact phrasing. Don't don't mix it up too much. Um, yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, reasonable reasonable question, but for sure, yeah. for fascinating, sure, fascinating. But, yeah. Um, no, but uh, yeah, that was kind of that was a fun little tidbit. Uh, what else is the incredible gear coming out this week from uh, Homefield Apparel? Um, they have been shopping some amazing shirts. Uh, as always, there's some new bomber jackets out there. I saw the pit one was incredible. Florida State was amazing. 
a lot of really here that you know whether it's for another power five team other g5 teams if you were just a Um, I just got my shipment delivered. Uh, I mentioned about a couple of weeks ago. I, I bought some gear for um, my my buddy and his his Australian girlfriend. Then for the season, um, so a lot of people kind of came by and did the shirts and are, are very happy with them. And uh, you too could be a part of a Buckeye shirt. Or if you're looking for some other teams to support, if you're going to an away game or just want to troll other fan base, if you live in a different city outside of Columbus. Uh, a lot of great gear to pick up and, and have fun with and just enjoy the football season. Um, so if you if you want to buy something from here, which you should, at homecoatapparel.com, uh, you can use the code MEETATMIDFIELD for 15% off of your first order. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Cool. Um, should we start previewing Indiana, Kevin? The first week is finally here. The game is here. We've been geared up for uh, for the first time the CDS broadcast on the state. We're not first ever from CBS broadcast, yep. first ever, uh, you know, Ohio State home game CBS you know. broadcast, yeah. 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 In a while. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's, I think it's the first like, Big Ten on CBS broadcast. Is that fair? Hey, okay. um, I'm pumped for this, dude. I'm really excited to kind of see, see what it sounds like, just seeing. I know everyone's mad about it, and, and I get it. Um, it, it makes sense that. You know, cultural alignment, you know, the things you love aren't the same thing anymore. But, um, you know, we do get uh, some, we get to see kind of big boys play on the big network, right? It's kind of fun. I don't know. It's, it's nice to get a new presentation. I personally do not need to hear Josh Johnson screaming some ridiculous new line he's trying out every single week of the season, top volume. Uh, it's fun to have, fun to have different kind of part of the game and different experiences. Um, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I I am excited for it. I don't think it's really going to change my viewing. I mean, I'm just going to watch the game. So yeah, uh, I'm from that either perspective, way. Yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think that's what's lost in it. It's like I, at the end of the day, I really don't give a shit where the game's broadcast as long as it's broadcast and I get to watch it. So, um, and that's that's looking good for the foreseeable future. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, I don't know. Nestler and Bates on a call is kind of cool. Um, it's just kind of cool to get that for Ohio State. It's fun. Um, the game itself, I guess I'm going to go up to you here because I've been talking about what are you, What are you most excited to see during these games, during this game, rather, from our game on Saturday? What are you looking forward to? I mean, I think the obvious answer is the quarterbacks. I think we talked about that. It's just uh, seeing um, what the hell Ohio State's going to do at the quarterback position, seeing both of these guys play. Um, I think that uh, outside of that, I am fascinated to see what Ohio State does with its tight ends. I think we've talked about it a good bit. Um, Ohio State really has one tight end, and they do not have the personnel behind him to do what they've done in their 12 personnel um, in previous seasons. So I am fascinated to see what Ohio State chooses to do um, with its whether it plays continues to play two to two tight end sets or whether they go more four wide, whether they go more two running back, um, whether they move Joe Royer or G Scott to a different role. Um, I'm really interested to see how kind of the loss of a um, let's be honest, Mitch Rossi was a fullback um, kind of the loss of a fullback in the offense. 
um, really affects this this offensive alignment and offensive scheme. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense. I guess I also I think the thing I'm most curious about this offseason is I want to see what Trey Henderson um there's been a lot of talk about his kind of you know revival during the offseason, how good he's looked in practice, he looked dominant. Uh, I've never seen him play. Like we only we we only ever seen, I think well, 2021, he had three 100-yard games. He had two, 22. I mean, the guys had five total 100-yard games over the course of like 20 playing football. But uh, a lot of hype around him this offseason about him kind of being one of the best backs in the country. Uh, it seems like he'll be getting the first carry against Indiana. I want to see how the kid looks. You know, I want to see the running back battle. Uh, I, of course, want to see the quarterback battle. But I'm kind of curious to see... Vanilla scheme just because they can, you know. Um, and I think they're going to choose to protect the quarterback a little bit and run the ball fire out. Uh, so I'm curious to see who's most effective. And shop and chip, and you know, everyone else plays and kind of see what that looks like. And uh, what's that fire's involvement? Do they remember they can throw to the running back? Is that allowed here? Um, I just want to see all that. Yeah, I think I think you mentioned Evan Pryor. That's another guy. I think that's like by far the biggest change with the running backs is just Pryor's involvement with the offense. I mean, obviously, like he's not injured this year, but um, he's such a different back than anyone else in the uh, backfield with him. Um, I mean, obviously, the the two top running backs are clear, but I'm going to be interested to see if Pryor has a role in this offense besides just like a Demario McCall gimmick or something like that. Um, I am very interested to see what Ohio State does with him, uh, if anything. Yeah. Likewise, um, receiver play too. You know, like is Cardinal Tate like going to be the like how high is the depth chart now? You know, he's gotten so much love from every other backup receiver who's not Eka and Marv. You know, like I, I know people said nice things about Fleming about X and. You've heard less about Ballard, about Ennis, about the other guys, you know, the, the returners. But it, it really seems like Cardinal Tate's hype is pretty ridiculous. Like, this is actual target shot. How early does he play? How much is he involved? Um, I'm fascinated to see that. I'm fascinated to see, you mentioned the tight ends earlier, just the 12 personal usage, but even just deployment. Like, who gets more caps than Boyer and Scott? Uh, I want to see that. I want to see if, like, the rumors that G. Scott kind of stepped it up and maybe passed Joe Royer. Is that true? Like, does that actually play out in the field? Can he hang? Can he block it all? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of position battles that like are maybe not like, you know, key ones in the way the quarterback battle, the offensive line battles have been, uh, the safety battle. But like the some of the, like the you know second string depth chart battles where you know we know how much Ohio likes to rotate certain guys. I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Yeah, I think the the other thing I'm interested in is uh, that I don't think we're necessarily going to know is um, the offensive line like whether it's good or not. And I think that's like the unfortunate problem about playing Indiana followed by Youngstown State and Western Kentucky is like the answers to the questions, is this guy good or bad? We're just not going to get those answers. You know, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I'll I think one exception. That, I, will, I will note one exception here really quick, if you don't mind, is that uh, Indiana, largely their defensive front is not very good. However, Andre Carter, 
their defensive end, their starting defensive end, a transfer from Western Michigan, was like one of the best players in the MAC last year. I think produced seven and a half sacks for Western Michigan. Uh, he is a pretty good defensive end, and a guy that is kind of good for a a tackle like Simmons or Fryer could go against. Uh, because he is dangerous enough that if you have a bad day, he can definitely get after the quarterback, but is not like a guy you have to essentially scheme around a ton. You know, he's not a game wrecker. So like, right. maybe a Chop Robinson would be for Penn State. Um, so getting a chance to go against him, like if those guys need help against him, if they have to chip him a bunch, I'll notice that. That's kind of concerning. If they can beat him just man-on-man straight up more often, like, you know, and not really give up much pressure, I think it's a pretty encouraging sign. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's, um, like, by and large, you just can, you can look at individual matchups like that. Uh, I think Western Kentucky has a few guys, too, um, maybe not specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but each play, like, there's usually a matchup per game that you can kind of key in on. But I think, like, by and large, the first couple weeks are tough because what I'm watching mostly is um, more just how Ohio State deploys personnel deploys players um who starts over who who's getting what reps uh because like whoever plays i think is going to be in a position where they should be um generally effective yeah yeah agreed um there are a few offensive players at the end a little bit dangerous i'll say um they have cam camper at wide receiver who's a guy who's been Mm -hmm. unfortunately banged up in his career but is a is a pretty impressive player to me um, they also have Jalen Lucas, who's kind of a um, kind of more of a scat back, maybe. Um, he, he's a smaller kid, which is really dangerous kickoff threats. I mean, something to watch on special teams. How does he actually handle? Uh, how does he handle the the results of you know basically how does Ohio State special teams handle him? Uh, is Mark Fleming's unit going to be you know kind of prepared for that? Um, can Camper get open against these corners? Um, or can they scheme him open? If so, like, how does, you know, they play him out of the slot a fair bit? Like, can Sonny handle him out of the slot? Um, Jalen Lucas, who's, again, the running back I just mentioned, who's more of a scout back, will line up in the slot as well. Like, can they run with him? He's a quick player. Uh, do they have the guys to match up? Can they play their base defense against good slot receivers? Um, I'm curious to watch that. Indiana does have a new quarterback. They they hilariously have not named their starter at quarterback, even though everyone knows it's David Jackson. They also, more amusingly, did not name a starting kicker. Um, I also, I have some guys on the IU side, uh, and they they uh, sent me a text about this, and apparently they had a closed scrimmage, and the funniest part about all of this, about him not naming a kicker, is the two of them combined, the two kickers in the competition, whose names I forget, went 5 of 14 uh, from field goal, so from like a field goal. Oh, good so, yeah, so it's not like they're picking between two giants here. Uh, there's not really a good option. So I, just the idea of you know, hiding your kicker for a competitive advantage is one of the funniest things I've heard. Yeah, that's that's A+. plus. I mean, like, yeah, what what is who's watching? I mean, you know, damn well, Parker Fleming isn't watching film on whoever the kicker is. Like, it's not keeping Parker Fleming up at night. Who you're, so who are you hiding no. that from? No way to know. We could never imagine. But, um, uh but I think I think other than that, um, I I think those are the the main things I'm looking for. Um, I also am just like fascinated by Indiana football, generally speaking. Um, just how downhill they've gone since 
that 2020 um, Mickey Mouse magical season. Magical run. We've got a magical run, yeah. though, to be fair. It was Mickey Mouse, no, they, but pretty impressive. They, they, were, they, were, they were awesome. They were awesome in the few games they played. Um, and, like, more than that, their secondary was awesome that year. And um, it is it has not been good since then. It's really weird because they have, like, individual players. But I think last year they had, like, an absolutely horrific pass defense. Like, I think, like, legitimately close to the very bottom of FBS football uh, in terms of, like, yards per, per uh, game and stuff like that. So, like... I I have been fascinated at this program's fall from grace because, I mean, their fans were feeling, like, real squirrely uh, in, in that 2020 season. And, like, I think people were legitimately thinking that they were, like, a an up-and-coming th- team in the Big Ten, and that door got slammed shut real quick. Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, and here's the thing, too, is, like, if they're going to get back to being a competitive football team, I mean, they're relatively young this season, especially with a brand new quarterback. But like, they have a few senior linemen. They have a couple of veteran contributors in skill positions. Um, you know, the the defense has has a few players here and there at least. Like, it's not a brand new football team. There's some continuity. They, you know, their big problem last year was the O line, and they fired their O line coach and brought in a former Wisconsin O line coach who looks pretty good. Like. In the schedule, like this, I mean, this year obviously Ohio State's not going to be a competitive football game, but they play Indiana State at home. They play Louisville, who's brand new coach and not that good at home. They get Akron at home. Um, you know, they, they get Rutgers at home. Michigan State's pretty bad, uh, and their road games again, like the top four games they play of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, are not winnable games. But there's not a single other team on there that I would say Indiana can't beat that team, right? Like. You know, the rest of the schedule is is in chronological order. Indiana State, Louisville, Akron, at Maryland, Rutgers, at Illinois, Michigan State, at Purdue. Like, I think yeah. Purdue, Illinois, Maryland are better football teams. But could this team go five and seven? Could it could it upset one of those teams, make a bowl game? Like, I, 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 I think my prediction for them was four and eight, if I recall correctly. But, like, they're not that far off from being a bowl team. So if they can show a little life, if Jackson can bring some life into them, and he's a super talented athlete. That's a four-star quarterback, um, younger brother of Trey Jackson Davis. Um, really, really talented kid who can really move with his legs. Like he, he can. Ohio State's linebackers aren't disciplined. He can definitely, you know, get some scramble yardage there. Um, like he's a kid who can move. I don't know. He looks good. Like could this team make a bowl game? Can they kind of find a little life again under Tom Allen and save from getting fired next year? I don't know. It's curious to watch. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of one of those where it's very clear um, how they've been trending. And I think when you trend that way for multiple years, it uh, takes a big season or something to uh, kind of get it to switch the other direction. Um, like how it's trending, like Tom Allen's going to get fired, if not this year, next year. Um, but it is gonna, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, it's This is one of those teams, I, I mean, I just wrote the are one of our previews for Minnesota. Um, I think there's a few teams in the Big Ten that are just like, I wouldn't be shocked at all by whatever their uh, record is at the end of the season, aside from like the like two or three obvious losses. You know, like um, Minnesota was another one of those teams. Iowa's kind of up there. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of games that are just like complete toss-ups to me. I have no idea what Purdue's going to be. Um, so like all of these teams like have potential to do something 
Um, it's just a matter of like what it's actually going to look like on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me too, man. I, I'm, I'm curious to see the product. I want to see it. There's just, it's just so nice to have football back. I can't, I can't, you know, overstate that. Like, it's just so exciting to have games to watch again and to see Ohio state play and have some intrigue and all those things we've been looking for. Um, it's been amazing. Uh, I don't know. Just exciting. I and mean, we had a little taste last weekend and seeing Notre Dame play Navy and, you know, USC played and, the Ohio State Eagles State game was pretty compelling. Like there were some games out there that were interesting, but it, we get a full slate again this week, a, a bigger slate than usual. Even it's awesome to to see this all happen and kind of get a get a real football game out there. So I'm so pumped. Um, you know, obviously, me and me and Patrick did a full week one preview on flipping the field. But do you have any games other than Ohio State Indiana you're most excited to see? Uh, let me pull up the schedule. Um, I think. Some of the highlights, just to help you oh, out. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. It's uh, it's obviously LSU versus Florida State. I think like there is, I don't think I, I think these are two teams that like your casual like college football fan, which none of our listeners are, um, but I think your casual college football fan sees both of these teams as just like um, perennially kind of overrated teams that you know damn well really aren't going to make any noise um, heading into a college football season, but. Both of these teams are legitimate national title contenders, uh, at yep. least college football playoff contenders. And both of them are, I think, underrated in the AP poll. Um, you know, I think both of the, like this could easily be a top five matchup between LSU and Florida State. Uh, both of these, I mean, this is, this is legitimately in week one, one of the biggest games of the entire college football season. Like they're, that's just the reality of it. Like when we are looking at the college football playoff in three months, four months, however long it is, we are going to come back to this game in almost every conversation. I guarantee it. I guarantee um, that it, it is going to factor into the college football playoff race in some capacity. So uh, that is easily the one that um, has me most intrigued. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm I, that's put the game of the week by far. It's like you said, it's one of it's one of the like ten or twelve games that kind of are most pivotal to the season. Uh, it's a huge one. I'm really pumped to watch it. And um, you know, LSU's without their defensive tackle, Mason Smith. He's suspended for a week over ridiculous NCAA rolling, unlike the just and fair one that Harbaugh's going to receive punishment for. Um, it's, it does suck to not see him out there, and I, I think Florida State probably has the edge, but just an awesome game to get to watch. Um, we also get our first Big Ten on Big Ten game of the season on Thursday night. Nebraska plays at Minnesota. Uh, Matt Rolls for game at Nebraska is going to be kind of interesting. Um, curious to see them. We get to see Florida play at Utah, which could be a bloodbath. Either way, I want to see Utah play. Um, you know, we get the Joe Milton kind of third debut. <laughs> he plays for Tennessee on the noon game on ABC against Virginia, which is a pretty bad team, but it's a good defense. Uh, Dion makes his debut against TCU on Fox at noon. Um, there's a few others. Um, Boise State, Washington's not a bad game. Uh, I think Washington probably wins that pretty handily, but I'm curious to see it. Um, people who don't follow these teams at all will tell you to watch West Virginia at Penn State, which will be a blowout. In North Carolina, oh, South Carolina. Yeah, that was yeah, that was mine. That was mine. That people are going to get tricked into watching in prime time. Like, oh, North Carolina, South Carolina. Like, it's just a game, which is, yeah. which is a ranked team. Uh, now, the, both these teams are terrible. Yeah, it's like a seven and five. The way I twitch it on Twitter is a seven and five team versus a four and eight team. 
yeah. is the way I view it. Um, but the game that the balls, no, they're very bad. Um, but the game I am excited to watch in that window, a sneaky one that people will not watch much of. It's on Big Ten Network. Toledo and Illinois is a pretty compelling game. Like Illinois is better than Toledo, but Toledo is one of the best MAC teams. It's not the best MAC team coming into the season. Uh, Illinois was awesome last year, but does lose a ton. They lose their starting quarterback. They lose, you know, all everything running back, Chase Brown. Um, lose a couple of line pieces. They lose, like, you know, a, a top five pick, Devin Weatherspoon, a couple other starters in the safety and the secondary. Um, a lot of new pieces there. Their D line is nasty, which I think should help them win this game. But Toledo, Illinois is probably going to be one of the more competitive football games today. Um, and then you can close it out with Coastal Carolina at UCLA, which UCLA is not starting Dante Moore, surprisingly. Um, so that's a good one. Um, yeah, man, just an awesome weekend. And you also get you get to one of the probably the worst games of the season on Sunday, too, at noon on CBS with Northwestern at Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is for the freaks right there. If you are watching Northwestern at Rutgers, you are probably listening to this podcast. Oh, I'll be watching that game. You can guarantee it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on oh, during my God. fantasy draft. 100% I'll be watching that. Um, are you are you going to wear your uh, a shirt in support of uh, Pat Fitzgerald? Of course. Yeah, I mean, he's I'm an ally to the hazing community. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'll be, I'll be... The hazers. Yeah, I mean, that's how... That's why DJ left, you know, he couldn't handle the hazing that we, that you and me did for him. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but some guys aren't cut out for the club. Right. Um, I mean, that's what hazing's for. Yeah. Yeah. You got to weed people out. No, but, um, I I will be in new Orleans all weekend watching these games. So I'm excited for that. Uh, just to kind of be at bourbon street, watching college football, probably gonna be surrounded by LSU fans Sunday night. That's going to be awesome. Um, I can't wait for that. Whole thing's going to be great. Um, I will say, I know you are going to be in France and cannot make it because it's going to be like, you know, four in the morning for you, uh, or that's like two in the morning for you. But me and Patrick are doing a stream on playback uh, for Clemson at Duke on Monday night, which is also a really exciting game. Uh, that is a underrated football game, but people are not talking about that enough. Um, Duke? I, I was I was just looking at that too. That is that is a a sneaky good game. I think everybody's just going to assume that Clemson's going to run away with that. But that is, I don't know that that that's going to be fun. It's going to be very fun. Duke returns over ninety nine percent of their offensive production. Basically, nobody is gone from Duke's offense, which you know has an NFL quarterback in the lead uh, with Riley Leonard. Uh, I mean, their defense I think is 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 pretty strong. Um, I don't know. I mean, they. They finished 31st in scoring defense last year. Their yards for play numbers were a bit worse than that. But this is like a really good football team last year. I mean, they won eight games. They had nine players go all ACC, and they bring seven of them back. Um, they brought in a few transfers on defense. Like, there's a few, you know, all four defensive line starters are back. They have an NFL off the tackle with Graham Barton. Dwayne Carter Jr. is awesome, who's a player that Ohio State should have signed out of Columbus, by the way. Um, there's a lot of guys on here who are really good football players. And, I mean, Clemson, I think, is going to be good, and Clemson's probably, to me, a playoff contender this year. They're they're a ten win or better team, in my opinion. But they do have a guy who hasn't started. Who started one game so far? Quarterback, right? With Kate Klubnick. you have um, their running. Their running back is awesome with Will Shipley, but like that defense is going to play a lot of freshmen in the two deep. I would not be shocked if Duke. I don't know if they're going to win, but like they're underdogs by two touchdowns, which feels crazy to me. Um, I mean, Duke can take a run at this team. Yeah, I, I think 
the teams that you absolutely do not want to face in a early season game or much less a week one game are the super experienced, super veteran teams that know what they're doing, know who they are, don't really have to figure a lot of things out. And that is hell for Clemson right now. Because right. like you said, they've got essentially a brand new quarterback, um, new faces across you know both sides of the ball. Um, and they're going against a team that is very talented and um, honestly, frankly, was a lot better of a team than their record indicates last year. Um, yeah. And is and well coached. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And is returning everyone. So um, this is a team that I thought, you know, I don't remember what they finished last year, but I thought like on paper, Duke was like a nine, 10 win team last year. It's not, that's not how it shook out, but um, with how much yeah, they were eight and four last year. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. They, I mean, on paper, that is a 10 win football team and they should have been, you know, I don't know. Um, but, all that to say, like that is that is a hell of a matchup for Clemson um, against a very good Duke team um, that I think is severely underrated based on how they played last year. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And they also, I mean, they only replaced one coach too. Like it's they they, they replaced their offensive coordinator, but everyone else on the staff is back. And there's just a ton of continuity for Duke. It's crazy how consistent they look. It is. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's a wild it's a wild football team that I think is and it's like, at Duke too. It's at Duke. It is at Duke. Tickets are only fifty five bucks right now. If you are a listener yeah. of ours who lives in the Carolinas, you should go to that game. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wild. That is going to be a hell of a game. Um, you know, go, go and put Dabo in a pine box. We support that in on this podcast. Yeah, big time. Well, all right, Kevin. I know it is pretty late for you, so I think we should let you get to sleep. Uh, you've been you were a soldier for doing this podcast this late. Um, we're gonna get out of here again. If you're a listener for a freebie here, go subscribe to meetupmidfield.com. The season is here. It's the best price you're gonna get all year. It's an awesome time to be around. It is code kickoff, all one word, fifty percent off your purchase. Um, come hang out with us. Come because I have the website. Come experience it. You're gonna love it. Um, it is a great, great time to be there. And uh, to have a lot of fun with this. So we're excited to have you, uh, hopefully, on the boards. Come join us and come post all weekend. I will be drunkenly posting from New Orleans, uh, which will be a slight in and of itself. Uh, I'm sure I'll have some very measured takes about Ohio State football while I'm in that state. Um, it's going to be a good weekend. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. You'll get uh, your posts from, um, from New Orleans and my posts from France, which I'm sure are very identical places I've heard. Yeah, we're both going to be speaking French band the weekend. Yeah, so uh, so you, that's that's what you're going to get. Um, but we will see you next week on the other side of Ohio State season opener against Indiana. Um, we're probably going to be mad at something, so prepare yourselves for that. Um, we, you know, this isn't this isn't happy podcast by any means. So, uh, but you know, we'll we'll have some stuff to say. I can promise you that. Big time. Yep. You want to sign us uh, out? I will, I will sign us out. Go Bucks, Michigan sucks, and help is on the way. So true.